Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to another edition of the podcast, Three In, Three Out, your unique look at our Seattle Seahawks. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. I am joined by an eyewitness, somebody who was at the clink to see this Russell Carrington Wilson mastery, Brandon Schultz. How's it going? How's the game? How you doing? How's your voice? How's everything? <laughs> I'm fired up, Clinton. My my voice is still recovering. I, I even took a day to to talk about this with Anthony just to to help my voice recover. Of course, Anthony was fine. He didn't have to make any noise during the game. That's the weird thing. Sitting next to a fan of another team, you got, you want to like hit him and say stand up and make some noise, but you, <laughs> you, then you realize that kind of goes against what uh, what they want to do. Yeah, it's like bringing a Muppet to the game. You, you, want, you want it to cheer with you, but then you realize it's just an inanimate object. It's not going to cheer for the Seahawks. Like, what can you do? Uh, th- that, that's excellent. And, you know, and I saw some of the folks in the flock and uh, the Seahawkers pod ring of honor getting on you for not putting out a show at 3.30 a.m. And, you know, <laughs> but you had to rest the voice. You had a long, long trek back to Montana. What is the, I don't even know, what's the, the mileage? What's the range if you're leaving the It's about 500 miles. 500 miles? Yeah. Oh, Montana. Yeah, it's just like the, the Proclaimers song. Yes, yes, you you would walk 500 miles for for another Tyler Lockett touchdown. I, I think I think I hear Keith Ketover uh, flocked him uh, with another parody coming Alanda, up. Alanda, <laughs> Alanda, 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 Alanda. Oh, Flocktimus, get on it. We expect we expect <laughs> magic now after after freeloading. So uh, excellent, excellent. So very fired up to talk uh, talk Seahawks. And, and you know we've been saying this for for a while now, but now we're seven and two, Brandon. We're seven and two. This is this is great. Seven and two going in to a win to start the second half of the season. It is going to get tougher after this game, but you have to win against the teams that just that, that haven't shown much this year. And so, yeah, is it disappointing that it took them until overtime to get the win against Tampa Bay? But go back to 2013. They were down 21 nothing, and that was a team with the Legion of Boom, and, and they still climbed back down 21 points to take that game into overtime. So I, I like the I like the ties that we're making now to the 2013 season. If that continues to go on as, as, it, as uh, it did in 2013, I'm going to end up a very happy person at the end of the season. Yeah, our, our hearts will go on forever for sure. And and you know what? The thing, the thing is like, hey, you rack up the wins when you can. We know the schedule's getting tougher. We know the weather's going to get colder. We know we got Russell Wilson, so we're going to be basically in every single game and we're seven and two like, Hey, this defense is what it is. Maybe it improves a little bit with the changes in our defensive backs that we've seen the, the trades we made for digs. We'll get to probably see him on Monday night. Very fired up for that. Maybe we'll finally get out of this, this four, three base and we'll see some better nickel play. We'll see what goes on there, but this is why you win these early games to put yourself in position for, for a playoff run. And I could not be more fired up about that. Speaking of fired up, Brandon, we have this one little itsy bitsy rule on three in, three out. Why don't you tell the good people of the flock, the good people, the Twitterverse and everywhere else, all the 12s across the globe. What's the one rule on three in, three out? When the Seahawks win, we start with an in. We start with an in. We get to start with an in again. Seven out of nine times. I don't know the percentages. You know, I don't want to be looking at math right now, but seven and two feels feels pretty darn good. We're starting with an in. So why don't we dive right in right now to our first in? I, I got I got one to throw at you. Listen, I know that 
Kendricks has taken some heat this year back and forth with like, you know, some missed tackles and he certainly has missed some tackles and we haven't seen him just been allowed to go be just an edge blitzer that we know he can be. So he's been in space quite a bit and that's sometimes been, been hairy for us, but early in the game and and the Bucks try this little wide receiver, like bubble screen and man, oh man, Kendricks, first of all, blasts his dude, beats a block and just destroys, destroys the wide receiver. Like at this moment, it's seven to seven. We came back early after, of course, the Bucks just take the opening kickoff and march right down the field. But I felt like Kendricks had a, a really, really big lick early in the game to start to set the tone on the very next play. He also blows up a run play. All of a sudden it's third and nine and the play after that Blair comes up and makes a nice tackle and they got to punt the ball at seven, seven. And I know, I know, listen, grand scheme of things. It's 34, 34 going into overtime. We win the game 40 to 34. However, these are the kind of things I like to dive into, man. I, that series by Kendricks to recognize, blow up that screen. The next play, blow up a run, put him into 39. We didn't see those long 39s all that often. And then Blair makes a stick and keeps him from the first down. It's those kind of series that like fire me up. And I'm like, man, if we get more of that in the second half of the season, watch out because this team can, can catch some more defensive fire. So my first in, I know it might be a weird one, but my first in is to that series and specifically to, to Kendricks for two big plays in a row early in the game. Well, Kendricks had one of his best games of the season. I felt like he had three stops in total on the day. He, uh, he was also credited with the sack on Jameis Winston on the fumble where Rasheem yeah. Green picked, the ball, picked up the ball, ran down the field. So he was getting pressure on the quarterback. He had a batted pass in this game. Kendricks made an impact in this game, and that, that was really nice to see. Absolutely. And, you know, that credited sack is maybe Christmas come early for Kendricks if he has any bonuses that, that are tied yeah, to that. That but, might get taken but, away from him. Frank Clark had one like that last season and it got taken yes, away at the end of the season. Yes. So and don't, I, and don't I, hold yeah. on to that. Don't spend that money in the bank yet, Kendricks. Just uh, you want to hold on to that. <laughs> Whatever that might be. And don't don't invest it. Or if, if you do, at least, you know, <laughs> invest, it, invest it with your own brain. But anyway, but like, you know, and it's funny, I had I had uh, Frank, Frank the Tank on, on one of my fantasy teams last year where I play uh, IDP or individual defensive players. And I remember that getting yoinked. I was like, Where, where'd that go? Like where, where'd my points go? So ghosted. And it was a cumulative league too. So it's not week by week. It's just oh. at the end of the year, your point. I was like, wait, where does, where does points go? So I was, I was pissed. So anyway, uh, thanks for bringing that up. But, uh, but it's, but Kendricks did play a good game. He was fast. And that combination again, we've been talking about this for a few weeks where I think we look a little bit faster and that fires me up. So that's my first in. This is three in, three out. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. You can find me on Twitter at Clinton Bond. Brandon, why don't you tell the good people where they could find you? At Seahawkers Pod on Twitter. And of course, you can subscribe to the show. You can tell your friends to subscribe. Go to SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts. Yes, yes. It's great. Great stuff. Content all the week long. And just, you know, we are in this golden age of, of Seahawks content and it could not get any better. So, all right. Speaking of getting any better, we got to go to the other side of better and that'd be worse. Let's flip on over to one of the outs. A challenge for me as a passionate Seahawks fan is this, 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 pull this this yin and yang where i'm like oh man we play too much base defense and then we don't play too much base de defense i'm like oh man our nickel corner is trash like <laughs> dumpster dumpster juice right so for me this was like the probably one of the bigger outs of the game but but taylor it's 34 27 late fourth quarter where we got that lead and taylor like he just whips i think it was on i think it was on jones 
he just he whiffs on on Jones so badly on an open field tackle. Had to go back and watch it and say, who was? I saw two. And I was like, I hope that's not Blair because I'm really, really loving Blair right now. Nope. It was 24. It was Taylor. Whips on that. And Jones scampers for like six or eight more yards, just in a crucial situation where it's like, man, you have a chance to put a lick on a dude. You have a chance to just get, you know, basically just stop them six, seven, eight yards where every yard matters at this point. And it was kind of emblematic. I felt like, as a nickel, I just, I look back and just the, the days of, of Justin Coleman are like, oh my gosh, like how good was Justin Coleman? He's playing quite good this year still. Yeah. How much do we, do we miss that dude? So for me, the out, it is on that missed tackle late in the fourth quarter, but I think it's a larger out to say, I don't think Taylor's a very good nickel corner. And like the, the more I clamor for more nickel, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What, what's your take, Brendan? One of the things that I like to do is go in and look at the the tackle to reception ratio, especially when it comes to the corners. And so I look at Shaquille Griffin. You know, he had a rough day, but yeah, he was going up against Mike Evans. He allowed eight catches on 11 targets, but he made eight tackles. So eight, eight catches, eight tackles. Trey Flowers, he had a, a pretty good day. He only allowed four receptions on seven targets and four receptions. Four tackles. <laughs> Pretty good day for Dave. Right? That's, that that's, that's about, about yeah. what you can ask for for your corners. Batting 100%, yeah. Then I look at Jamar Taylor. Five receptions on five targets. He was the only one 100% throwing his way, except for, you know, safeties, linebackers. But, um, you know, the corners. You want those guys to be able to reach in there, break up a pass every once in a while. Yeah. Five receptions, one tackle. One, one oh tackle gosh. out of five receptions. Come on. Jamar, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I, I'm trying to just calculate what that, or just like, you know, synthesize in my brain what that means. But to me, it just kind of stands out that he's not in position. He's not really close. And when his dude, his dudes catch the ball, there's lots of yak probably there too. Right. It's like, it's yes. like, it has to, it just kind of has to translate to it that. Didn't that. Lead, he didn't lead the team in yak. Uh, uh, Shaquille Griffin, he, he gave up uh, 38 yards after the catch, but Taylor was close behind with 34. And again, you know, one, one's, uh, one's covering Evans who like Evans has these games where like when Winston has these games and, and if just whatever quarterback we're facing, they tend to have quote unquote, these games, because we can't get pressure on the quarterback whatsoever. Um, but Evans is kind of all world, right? Evans is a really, he's a top 10, possibly top five, uh, talent in this league for quite a number of years. And He's a big dude too. Like you, you, you cover Evans all day. Good luck. You're going to give up some yak. So I'm not too worried about, about Griffin. I thought he had some nice breakups, but yeah, man, Taylor to me, I just, I just don't think it's there. I actually want to ask you, what do you think they're going to do with Diggs? Like, what do you see happening between Blair has emerged playing good? The dude's a missile out there. He's not making every play, but I, but I like him a lot. What do you think they're doing with Diggs? What do you, how do you think they're going to weave him in? And do you think it'll be this Monday? I don't know if it'll be as soon as this Monday, but you have to think your best three guys in that safety kind of secondary group would be McDougal, Blair, and Diggs. So I, I kind of think that maybe Taylor doesn't get as much playing time. Maybe they split it up somehow to, to, to try and work him in. So that's that's the interesting thing about you know Pete Carroll. He's, he's always he's willing to change things up during the middle of the season, give some guys some playing time, especially when he he may not move as quickly as some of us would like, but uh, yep. he does show some willingness to move things around and change things up. So I tend to think that 
if we're going to see some changes, it's, it's probably going to come to where the spot that Jamar Taylor's playing. Yeah, I like what you're thinking. And, and speaking of liking things, let's bounce on back over to the inside of the ledger. Okay, back on over to the inside, the ledger, the fun side, the, the side we like to celebrate. You know, we celebrate all sides here, to be to be frank. We, we, we examine the outs. We, we, don't, we don't run away from them at three in, three out. We look at them and say, what can we do better? That's how we grow as humans, people. But, but the ins, you know, the ins we're going to care for a little bit more. The ins we're going to coddle them. We're gonna, really going to dive deep. And one of the things for me this week is like, hey, last week, you know, DK caught those two touchdowns. And obviously, they were big for our victory versus the Falcons. But- kind of wide open, you know, but besides that, not, not really involved too much in the game this week. DK was like, holy crap. I mean, obviously lock it, lock it, you know, 18 targets, 13 receptions, 151 million yards and two, two beautiful touchdowns. We know about lock it, but looking at DK this week, Brandon, the, I mean, the dude was, I was told he could only run straight lines. And yet I see him doing, I see him doing a back shoulder phase. I see him, I see him running deep posts. I see him getting the ball on wide receiver screens and cutting up field as if there's three cones in front of him. I, I don't know. And going for, going for nine more yards and specifically, specifically for me, the one I start on there to give the in man, that touchdown it's, it's the route is beautiful. The call by Schottenheimer, the design, the design's really nice. Obviously, Russ puts a deep ball right where it's supposed to be. However, what do you think my favorite part of that touchdown is? Man, see, I, I, this, you went in a different direction with DK the, than I thought you would because I, I didn't think you would go for the touchdown. So I, I just think the, the fact that he was able to turn on the juice and, and break away from, to, for the touchdown, that was the best part. That is exactly it. That's it right there. Like, you know, listen, the back shoulder, the back shoulder on the, uh, the, the OT drive. I think it's third and six. That's, that wasn't that's my probably, favorite one either. <laughs> that's amazing too. Maybe the two point conversion. Like he had a big, big day. That right? wasn't well, my you know, favorite one either. Clinton. Uh, uh, you, uh, you, what, what was your favorite? And then my we'll get back favorite, to the end. Yeah. My favorite DK catch was the DK DK Olay catch on the last drive of regulation. It was second and 10 at the Seahawks 25. Russell Wilson just dumps it off a little bit to, to DK and he just gets his hand up and pushes Jamel Dean to the side and rambles for 18 yep. yards. That, that was my number one DK Metcalf play. Yeah, I, I love those rugby plays. When they just give the dude the ball and be like, you are bigger than every human here. Just go do your thing. And that was and that was it. That was awesome too. And then and then on that, and then you know, back to the in and on that touchdown, you nailed it though, man. It's 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 not it's a beautiful route. He runs it well, hands extended, beautiful ball. It's the Jets, man. Like he he turns that corner up the sideline. He is going against um, one of the fastest corners in the league. When the dude, you just look at the dudes like, you know, forties and stuff. The guy runs like a four, three some odd. And he just puts the guy in the, in like in the rear view. And the cool part for me is like, he's one of those athletes where he doesn't specifically quote, you know, quote unquote, look fast. He doesn't yeah. look like he's like speedy Gonzalez with his, you know, like legs going a mile a minute where you can barely see the legs. But he just pulls away from that guy down the sidelines and cruises into the end zone. And he got up to something like 20 and a half miles, you know, 20.5 miles per hour with those advanced stats. And that was it for me. I was like, this dude, he's, he's, he's half a year in, he's, he's in, in line to shatter a bunch of, uh, you know, rookie wide receiver records for Seattle. And for weeks, I will say this for weeks, I mean, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, you were talking with Adam, you're talking with other guests about like, you know, Hey, you know, who's really the, uh, who's really playing better than DK Metcalf as the, 
best rookie wide receiver. And the whole time, like, hey, you guys are forgetting about Terry McLaurin. Like, McLovin over in Washington, though it's a trash team, like, that guy's balling out. And three weeks ago, I thought McLaurin was the best of the group. No more. No more. I mean, right now, if you had a, you know, redraft going on, I think, I think DK is going, if there was a true redraft going on, I, I think it'd be hard-pressed that DK Metcalf makes out of the top 10. And one of my favorite things to see online, too, was the the video of all the Twitter yes. hate that has happened that that's been sent DK Metcalf's way uh, ever since he was drafted. And I don't know why he became this polarizing player necessarily. Yeah. He, he runs like the fast 40 and I don't know it's, if it's because he is, you know, has the picture of him just looking jacked. But I think one of the biggest surprises for, for, for me is just getting to see some of his personality. And he seems like, just a genuinely nice dude. And so maybe it's the, the, the pictures and the first impression that you get from that. You think of, you know, here's some, you know, gym rat guy who's kind of a jerk, but he, he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. He, he, and, and because the dude can't run a three cone shuttle, he gets, you know, he falls in our lap. So, Hey, all good. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So I thought that I thought that in and him just bursting away at, at the last 20 yards there was just like, it was magical. So love seeing that. And, and what a beautiful ball. So going to celebrate that all day long. All right, let's get back on over to a, another out. We got a few more to, to churn through. And, and you know what? We didn't have the cleanest game. So there's definitely some to select from. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and close it out. All right. So we are back on the outside of the ledger. This one happened really early in the game. And this dude is our captain. This dude is for for all like you know, in all likelihood going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And this dude made a dumb dumb play. 3rd and 3, first drive. Jameis gets rid of the ball and Wagner just for whatever reason hits him, you know, a good I don't know, second and a half after he releases the ball, Jameis goes flying. He didn't kill the dude. He just hit him too darn late. Of course, I'm talking about Bobby Wagner here. He gets flagged for it. That was an incompletion. They drive all the way down. They get seven points. This one's simple for me, man. Like We are not that talented of a defense that we can make bonehead mistakes. And it's very rare that Bobby Wagner makes a bonehead mistake. But in this instance, very early in the game, he did. It cost us. We're down seven nothing, and I got to give that out to Bobby because that's just a bad play to start a game in a game where. And I know we're not going to get to this. Jason Myers missing three kicks. That, that's such the yeah. that that's the obvious one. So that's not going to be a part of three in three out. But in a game where Jason Myers takes seven points off the board, you had Bobby Wagner early in this game essentially give the the Bucks four points. That could have been the difference in this game. And, you know, when you're talking about the first drive, I thought maybe you'd go Jaron Reed because he had, you know, a, a tackle that I think he should have made. It didn't go down in the books as a missed tackle, but on that rushing touchdown, uh, mm-hmm. Jaron Reed was the first to get his hands on the dude. He runs in for the score. But, yeah, Bobby Wagner and that hit out of bounds. Yeah. It was such a weird hit, too, because he didn't hit him hard. I think Jameis right. kind of sold it a little bit. But, Bobby didn't even need to have his hands on Winston at that point. He was out of bounds. He was throwing it away. It was third down, disappointing move, and and one, like you said, that could have cost the team four points. 
Yeah. I mean, the ref's right in front of you. It's like, it's just, and, and if you're going to blast a dude, you know, like I'm kind of old school. Like I, I like, I like fights in hockey. Get like early. Dude, yeah. You, make you know, them know that you're there. I, I, I don't mind that. I don't mind, especially a dude like Jameis. I don't mind like rattling a guy like Jameis. Now I wouldn't trade that for, you know, they're about to punt the ball away and we've been struggling, you know, been struggling quite a bit this year. But if you're going to lay the pipe on a dude and bring your hat and do it and make it count in that you know, emotional regard, because Jameis seems to be, you know, pretty much a quite an emotional player out there, but didn't do that either. So it's like, that was frustrating, but you know what? It's Bobby. He's all world still. He's our guy. But in a game like this, where that, that costs us quite a number of points right there. So anyway, that's, that's another out, but let's get back on over. We got things to celebrate still. So let's hop back on over to another in. What do you say? Let's do it. Okay. So back on over to the last in, in this 40 to 34 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Listen, there's lots of heroes out there. We know about Lockett. That's, that's a glorious day. You know, you know who we also know about, we know about Hollister Hollister with two touchdowns at, out of seemingly out of the blue. Of course, if you're a Seahawks fan, you've been watching this guy all preseason, you've been seeing him stashed away on the, on the practice squad called up when Disley got hurt. And now, now, you know, just kind of making his way in the world here and, and showing up in big moments and getting those two touchdowns. However, however, the thing I want to call out a play I really, really love was, I believe it was the final play of the third quarter. At this point, it's 24-21 Seahawks, end of quarter three. But uh, Schottenheimer calls a lovely little tight end screen to Luke Wilson. This play is so well executed. If you can, if you got game day or whatever passes you got or ways to go back and watch the game a little bit, Go back and watch this. It's the very end of the third quarter that carries us over into the fourth quarter. It was after uh, it was after a big locket reception as well. But there's this this beautifully set up tight end screen. It's executed so well. And while Hollister had this this really nice day, and obviously the game winning touchdown and a touchdown earlier, this play by Luke was. It was big. It just kept, it kept, it kept the momentum going. And it was at this point, it was the old knife through hot butter. Like, oh man, man oh man. It, it was, it put a beautiful end cap onto a third quarter that was super well constructed by the Seahawks and just brought that momentum right into the fourth quarter from an offensive standpoint. And I freaking love the design and the execution had to call it out. So the end goes to shoddy and the execution by Luke. And of course, Russ on the assist, but Luke Wilson gets the end for me. Yeah, 24-21 at the end of the third quarter. And uh, it's funny that it reminds me of the play right before it was the one to lock it. Because if you and if you go back two plays, Russell Wilson throws the ball downfield, picks up 22 yards, but it comes back because of a DJ Fluker holding call. Yeah, sorry, that's right. So then it's second and 22 at that point. And the guy sitting next to me says, okay, it's okay. We don't need to get it back all at once, you know, that we... <laughs> Because that's something yeah. that we usually say, and you don't usually see the Seahawks try and pick up a, a big 22-yard. You know, you're getting into give-up territory at that point. Very close, what does Russell yeah. Wilson do? He throws it deep down the sideline to Tyler Lockett, picks it up all at once on that one play, and then, yes, follows it up right after that with that, that well-executed play to Luke Wilson and gets the team just almost into the red zone. Chris Carson is the one to, to get it inside the red zone after that. It ended up being one of their few uh, red zone failures. The next two plays after the, the Carson run were both incomplete passes, so forced to 
kick a Jason Myers field goal. Apparently he can make him inside of 40. So that's cool. <laughs> that way, well, something went through. That's nice. Right. So that's, that's uh, I, I like to celebrate his successes maybe more than, than the failures, but, uh, cause I mean, hey, hey, they're he not going to the get rid line. of them is the thing. Yeah. It seems, seems like, seems that way. And if we didn't guess get what? Blair, if, if the Seahawks did not get rid of Blair Walsh in that disastrous season that year, they're, they're not going to get rid of uh, the guy that they've paid, uh, given a four year contract to. Yeah, I mean, Carol said so much already, too, that like, oh, he's our guy. We're sticking with him. You know, he had, he had a bad day. It's like, oh, he's having a kind of a bad year. But that's, hey, that is, that is, and, and like we, like we said, we'll leave, we'll leave the Myers talk for a different broadcast. But, you know, on three and three out, we love them nooks and them crannies. And to me, that I Luke felt like Wilson, I wandered into out territory when, when we should have been recognizing the, the great play to Luke Wilson. I'm bringing it, bringing it back to Luke. It's a, the beautiful call, the beautiful, like you said, that's, the, the best part about, about your little, uh, you know, diatribe there is that the second and 22 and the guy whispering, it's all right, let's just get back eight and get to something manageable. Like, nope, just down the field to lock it. And then, then tight end screen to Luke and bam, bam, two, you know, two first downs right in a row. It was, it was, we were humming. It was, it was feeling really good. So, and I mean, you know, this offense, man, just taking a, taking a little sidecar, this offense is, I think we lead the NFC in points at this point. And yes, we played nine games and some have played eight games, but this is, you know, I don't know, Brandon, very, very, it's certainly top five, very potentially a top three offense in the NFL. Is that, is, is, are you feeling the same? I'm, I'm feeling the same. I'm feeling okay with it. Russell Wilson, I hear people saying he's going to take us as, or, you know, the Seahawks are going to go as far as Russell Wilson's going to take us. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I, that could be pretty damn to, far. Yeah. <laughs> I look back at other teams where it was a similar situation. Think back to all the Saints teams where Drew Brees was the entire offense and the Saints defense couldn't stop anybody. Look back last year to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense and, and a defense that couldn't stop anybody. If, if that's the team we're going to have, we're, we're kind of set with the team that we're going to have at this point. So we may as well just enjoy the fact that we have Russell Wilson and he can lead us and, and thrives in these close games. And it's exciting, you know, it's exciting football. Yes, we want defense. Yes, we want to be better. But this is the this is this is the way the dice are rolling right now. You know, I, I still think we're gonna be better as the year wears on, as things get a little bit colder, as Diggs gets in there. Hopefully we, we solve for the nickel situation. But you know what? If you're telling me you're gonna go as far as Russ can take you, well, I'm in. Get get on the Russ bus, man. Fill up the gas tank. Let's go. We got we got the town offensively. So let's do it. Let's let's ride the Russ bus and see how far this thing could take us. And football outsiders backing it up. And in terms of what we're seeing, what our eyes are telling us, the number three offensive DVOA, the number two in terms of pass offense, only behind the Kansas City Chiefs. So hey. If, if this is the offense that we're, we're going to have, I'm, I'm down with it. And we, we're adding Josh Gordon this week. Yeah, not, not a bad get, right? So, and, and you know, more more played a, an interesting little game there, right? More had a couple of neat, neat touches. Obviously, it was the locket, uh, the locket and DK show. But I don't know. We could, I just, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. If we can get Gordon in there and he could just be like, if he could be an upgrade to what Moore is right now and just be, you know, he's certainly a, a, certainly a dynamic player in his own right, or at least can be again. It starts to become a very interesting trio and we get a bigger dude again where we lost Disley and we're bringing in, you know, Gordon. And yes, I understand he's not going to line up as a tight end, but can he line up kind of like the way Jimmy Graham would line up, you know, a, a couple times or at least half the game and be used in that kind of big body kind of way? It'll be interesting to see. I'm really kind of just piqued by what they're going to do with Gordon as well. So appreciate you bringing that up. All right, we got to get back on over to the final out. Why don't we just hop over? 
close out that uh, that out quickly because you know the outs are fine and all, but but we won. We're seven and two, so let's get to that last out. All right, Brandon, I got one more for you. It is back on the defensive side of the ball. It's not so generic that we can't get a pass rush, although we cannot get a pass rush. It just doesn't seem to matter. We had the Bobby Wagner sack up the middle. We had the the gift that they gave Kendricks as a sack. We're not being so disruptive. I did see some nice plays by Al Woods getting his big thigh arm in uh, in Winston's face a couple times. <laughs> But, but we're on the outside of the ledger and it goes back to tackling. And I think the most, our most consistent disruptor all year has been Clowney. Just in the same way before I gave it out to Bobby Wagner and that's nearly sacrilege, but it's a dumb play. Well, you know what? Clowney's been our most disruptive defensive player and he still made, you know, just a, a, an egregious missed tackle, right? So this is the fourth quarter we're starting to bottle them up a little bit, or it feels like we have, we can bottle them up a little bit and take this game away. And then they run a jet sweep to Godwin and Clowney is exactly where he needs to be. And I get it. Mm -hmm. Godwin's a a freaking thoroughbred dude. It's a big dude. These are big athletes. And Clowney just, just misses the tackle, just flat out gets kind of spun around with the momentum. And I forget how far uh, Godwin goes up, up field. It was seven or eight yards. It went from a three yard loss to a seven or eight yard gain. And it's, it's again, we're talking about that, that momentum and things that can deflate. It's just like, man, you have a, you have a chance for a tackle for a loss, which clowny has been our best at, I think statistically. And certainly from the eye test, he's been our best, you know, TFL guy. And he has a chance for one there. He just, he just missed it. He just missed it. So that was quickly for me, but it was fourth quarter. It was deep. It's like, we need to change momentum here and get a stop and a missed tackle on a jet sweep. When you do all the right stuff, except for execute the tackle that, that earns the out for me. Yeah, about three and a half minutes left in the game, and that was on first down. So that could have, you know, potentially put them in, you know, for a second and thirteen type situation. The one thing that I did like about Clowney, though, is that after he had that missed tackle, he was right in there on second and two and blows it up in the background. He gets a three yard loss on the Ronald Jones run right after that. So I, I like right. how right. he yep. bounced back right after the play. And unfortunately, uh, Winston picks up that fourth down to give him a new set of downs. And ultimately, they they do get the touchdown on that drive to tie it up 34-34 right at the end. So you knew that they were going to go for it on all four downs. They had to try and climb back in it. They were down a touchdown, so they couldn't have settled for a field goal at any point in that time. But just the idea that Jadevian Clowney, if, if he makes that tackle in the backfield at second and 13, they're having to climb out of, of an even deeper hole and you know they're going to be throwing. So maybe at that game, you can actually try and get a little more pressure by the defensive line. But it makes it tough in these wins sometimes to decide who to give the outs to and Clowney missing a tackle when it could have been a, a big play and a big moment. Uh, he gets the out. And you know what I love about the outs, especially our final outs. We have this trend, a final out on an in. We have this beautiful habit of kind of making it in. It's kind of like the, <laughs> the fourth in. It's like, well, if you win a game, you win four to two. You don't tie three to three, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's. But you're absolutely right. And that that he did he did come right back and made it made a stellar stellar tackle on the very next play. And that's why Clowney's still our best. Like he's still like he like to me. Okay, the sack numbers are not there, but he has lived up to the. Hey, this dude is disruptive. The thing that I think we need the most is last year we had like a one-two punch or a one-two-three punch where. One dude's getting some pressure, and if a quarterback tries to get out, there's another guy there. Like Reed's collapsed in the pocket, or Clark is just bearing down from the outside, and then Kendricks is on the other side, or something, you know, something akin to that. And 
This year, it seems like a lot of individual efforts that are not tied together with two dudes getting simultaneous pressure. Maybe that's maybe that'll change when Jefferson gets back too. But that's kind of what we need. I feel like we get consistent disruptiveness from Clowney. We don't get it from this like another dude on the same play. And that's actually how you usually get sacks. It's not usually one dude just blowing a guy away. That does happen. But more often than not, it's because you move the quarterback and then he moves into another bad scenario because another dude got beat. That's what we're not seeing. But, you know, but I love you taking the out and saying, oh, well, Clinton, that's kind of weak sauce. Let's make that an in. So I, I, I well, enjoy that. Thing. So, here's the thing, I Clinton. I, I cannot in good conscience give Jadivian Clowney an out when, you know, you give a, you you bring up the word effort on the defensive line. When I look at Ziggy Anza and the amount oh. of effort that he's given versus and, and he gets no outs and Jadivian Clowney gets it out I, it feels a little hurtful to me you know i like that and i think i think ansa might have dressed up as a ghost like like the jaguars mascot you know where sam donald's seeing ghosts because maybe he dressed up for halloween because he wasn't there he's just he's not he's not getting that kind of one-two pressure we're talking about let's hope down the stretch whatever it might be his speed his strength he gets there lj collier sure as heck ain't there because he's not he's not seeing the field for too many snaps so just something we got to figure out and if we don't you know hey open that, that bifolding door. We get, it's time to get on the rust bus. Like that, that is it. That that's our season. So, Hey, Brandon, beautiful recap. Enjoyed that so much. But at the end of our three and three outs, you know, we have the one rule at the, at the start with the, with the ins and the wins and the whole thing already. But at the end, we like to give some love to, to the folks from the flock, right? So the folks who are Seahawkers pod ring of honor members, folks who are huge contributors to what you and Adam and others do. And, uh, and we like to go to them and say, Hey, what'd you like for, for ins and outs? what do you think were the moments of the game that mattered to you? We call it from the flock. Why don't we just dive into that and see a couple of ins and outs from some of our favorite people on this planet. Let's start with an in. Let's start with one from Flocktimus Prime on Twitter. Keith Ketover in the little Joey Hunt era. And he does go out our defensive scheming or lack thereof. D-line can't get home much. But yeah, let's let's circle back to that in. Joey Hunt uh, making you know his presence felt on that offensive line and not uh, giving up any big plays from what I could tell. It's, it's nice to have that uh, backup center, very competent, come in there and play a full game and have a good showing. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great call out by Flocktimus there. I think, I feel like center, we talked about it a bit last week, is kind of like the shortstop or second base in baseball where like you could have a dude like Altuve who's like five foot seven and still like a baller for the Astros. Like Hunt, yes, next to me or you, he's going to be a, he's going to be a large human. Next to Fluker, he's going to look, <laughs> he's going to look a little bit smaller. Yeah, he's going to look like he's gonna look a, little, little, a little wee guy. But man, oh man, great call out by Flocktimus there. Not only can the man write lyrics, not only is, the, is he the gift father, but he's bringing the ins right there for little Joey Hunt. I really dig that. All right, hopping over to some outs. I got two in a row right here. We got Ella Esparza. She says, out all the yardage Flowers gave up. So she was feeling like Flowers was getting picked on a little bit. I'll bounce to another one real quick. Michael Paul. Michael Paul certainly, uh, he's a heavy critic. I'll call him that, but he's passionate. He's passionate, damn it. And he comes right back at me with, Carson Fumbolitis. He's been on it all year. Hey, Carson did put the ball on the ground two times. Michael, you're calling it out. And I gotta, I gotta give you the shout out for saying, yeah, man, true fact, man, dude put the ball on the ground two times this game and can't be having that, especially down the stretch. Although, you know, I will point out to Michael Paul that uh, when he says Carson getting caught from behind on that long run, 
Carson did break, I think, three or four tackles on that yeah. long run. So, you know, Penny going down on second contact, it, it isn't going to make that run any longer uh, by, by having him out in the open. 120,000% correct. Carson bowls through like two dudes at once, breaks on the tackle. 98% of the backs don't even make it five yards down the field. He's in that elite percentage of power and speed. Yeah, doesn't have that breakaway stuff that some of the other dudes have. And you know what? So either does Rasheem Green. So yeah, out Rasheem Green getting caught from behind. We'll throw that one in there too. Yeah, that, that was, I, I was up celebrating. I'm off the couch. I, I thought for sure he was going for six, but didn't, it was not to be. That's okay. In from Kenneth Reyes, receivers catching balls and making plays out. Jason catfishing Myers. One job. Yeah, one job. One job is right. So we're going to leave the Myers talk to, to, to other other broadcasts. But man, oh man, frustrating. However, I must say, I do have Russ Wilson on a couple of my fantasy football teams. So game goes to overtime. I get the fifth touchdown. I get more points. Not not the worst outing. Not the, not the worst ending, I should say. And the Seahawks get to beat the spread. So I'm sure there's some degenerates out there that were super happy that Myers missed the field goal and, and was able to get them enough points to, to get over that spread. If they're taking Seahawks with the points. That's right. They were given five or five and a half from Vegas. So, you know, let's make, make that money, right? That's, that's a great point. Speaking of good points, we got evergreen J green underscore 34 on Twitter. He hashtags this and says three, I three Oh in DK Metcalf. He's like, he's everything we'd hope he'd be. It's tough. This is a nice point. It's tough to make a big impact in the NFL for a rookie wide receiver, but he's out there making plays. Love that. We talked about Metcalf earlier, but he's right, man. Like we don't often see rookie wide receivers being this impactful for their teams. He's on pace, I think, to take down Doug Baldwin's rookie records. So if you're doing things like that, you're in a good spot at wide receiver. No doubt. Michael O'Hara in Seahawks being the highest scoring NFL team. Uh, unfortunately, that comes with the out that the Seahawks are allowing 230 points on defense. But hey, let's let's stay with the end there, Michael. Yeah, again, we won. So it's a kind of four to two, not three, three and three. And we'll end this one with Bloomy, of course, Hong Kong Hawk. He says in Russell MVP Wilson out. Everything in this crap game besides Russell MVP Wilson, which, you know, Brandon, I think that might be. That might be the 2019 Seahawks. You know, we got talent. There's talent out there, but it is, it's going to be this sober yin, raging yang all year long. And the rust bus is what we got to hop on and fuel this thing up and, you know, lock it and company and DK and now Hollister. And we're going to get Gordon in there. And can we go in and play? The big question for the week is, can we score 27 plus 30 versus teams like the Niners? We put up 35 points against teams like the Vikings. Like that is going to be the true test. And that's about what we're about to hit in this next quarter or so of the NFL season. And I am so fired up for that. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.